Welcome to Seeds of Hope. Listen now to this encouraging and uplifting message of faith and trust in our Lord, shared by Father Mike Moore. Forty years ago, I was ordained a deacon for the diocese. And I was sent to St. Cecilia's Church in Clearwater to serve like an internship. So the pastor I had, he, he said, the way you're really going to learn how to be a good priest is by going to the hospital. You never know what you're going to meet in every room. It's going to be a different situation. It really helps you understand people's humanity, the things they go through, and how to minister to all kinds of people. So I went. And one day I was called, and they said, there's a man who wants to see you. So I met this man. I'm going to call him John. And he was so in distress. His wife was very near the end of life. And he was so worried about her. She was not responding anymore. She was not answering. Maybe her eyes were open, but he couldn't connect to her. So he asked me if I would go and pray with her. So I went in and I had Holy Communion with me. And as soon as I began the prayers to pray for her, she made the sign of the cross. So I want to read to you four months later, when I'm back at the seminary, he wrote me a letter. I was so humbled. It was so moving. I want to read you just a few sentences in that letter. I closely watched the almost rapturous look on her face while listening to your words and how she, to my amazement, recited with us the Our Father and feebly made the sign of the cross as she received a quarter piece of the host. She died five days later, and I'm sure she was immediately welcomed by our Lord to behold the beatific vision that we all hope to achieve when our time comes. That moment of Holy Communion meant the world to him. He knew as she was about to cross the threshold of this life into the next, that she recognized Jesus. She welcomed him into her heart and her being. I go to a lot of receptions. I go to wedding receptions, funeral receptions, baptismal receptions. Whenever I can, I like to go because great things happen at those receptions sometimes. So I was sitting there with one guy one time. This was actually at a funeral reception. We were at the beautiful place right on the water. It was over on the East Coast. And he was, he was pensive, older man, reflective and sad. He was thinking about members of his family at the funeral that was right there who aren't going to church anymore. And he said to me, I can't imagine leaving the Eucharist. I just can't imagine ever doing that. We have this great gift, and as I told you at the beginning of the Mass, 800 years ago, Pope Urban IV wanted a revival in our belief in the Eucharist, because for the very first time in 1,200 years, some people were starting to doubt what Jesus says in the Gospels, and they were starting to have these debates. Was Jesus really there, or is it a symbol? They didn't doubt like that for 1,200 years. 
So he felt we need a revival. And our bishops in this country are feeling the same thing right now. We're starting it today. For the next three years, on the parish level, the diocesan level, and then the national level, we will have a a time to reflect, to learn, to re-embrace this tremendous gift as a community. Now, we know it's not church invented. If you were coming up with a religion, you would never invent the things that we hold dear in our faith, like the Trinity, like we celebrated last week. One God, three persons. You would never make something that's so hard to understand or even hard to explain. That came from our experience of Jesus when he was here walking the earth. And so it's the same with the Eucharist. And we know he's the one who said it. We heard the words from Paul that you read in the second reading. Paul's describing that 20 years later. Describing the words that Jesus said when he took the bread, this is my body. When he took the cup, this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. Because when he talked about it in the Gospel of John in chapter 6, there were many of his disciples when he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life within you. My flesh and my blood is eternal life. And many of his disciples said, we can't go with that. We can't believe that. And they walked away. And Jesus let them walk away. He didn't go after them and say, no, 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 let me explain it to you more. He meant what he said. And finally, he turned to the 12. Remember that? Are you going to leave too? And it's Peter who says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe in the Eucharist. That's its real presence, body and blood, soul and divinity, because Jesus told us that. He was leaving us when he died, rose from the dead, was ascending into the Father. He didn't want to leave us. So he found a way to be with us every day, not just in memory, not just in a symbolic gesture, really present. He found a way to stay with us. And every time we come to Mass, every time we receive the Eucharist, we receive the divinity of God into our very being. And that's why Jesus can say with such confidence, go out there and be my presence in the world today. It's not a memory or a philosophical idea. It's a reality. So I thought to myself, why is it? The people, I don't know all the other things they believe, but only 30% say they really believe that Jesus is really present there. Now, I heard Father Benedict Rochelle, who's a very wise Franciscan. You may have seen him on EWTN when he was still alive. He used to tell us, well... There's about only 30% of Catholics who believe in the third commandment about going to Mass on Sunday. So he wasn't surprised by the second one. <laughs> so, I, but I like to, when somebody says things like that, I like to say, well, let me, let me find out where are they coming from? I can't help them if I don't know where they're coming from. Because they're not just saying that. Somehow, some way. 
they're thinking something. And that thinking is leading them in that one direction. So there may be more reasons, but I thought of these two. Maybe part of it is people will say, well, it, it, it still looks like bread and wine. You said the words, but it's still bread and wine. We wish it was like Indiana Jones in those movies. Remember when they took the Ark of the Covenant off? And if you remember the movie, Indiana Jones is tied to a pillar. Marion is behind her. All the Germans are there. And they want the power from the Ark of the Covenant. And Indiana Jones, he's got this instinct. Marion, don't open your eyes. And of course, you know, Steven Spielberg, all these special effects and all these people, you know, they turn to skeletons and then dust. Or with the other movie, uh, The Last Crusade, the Holy Grail, they find the cup of Jesus. And he uses that cup in the water that's hidden away, where the knight is guarding it, he goes out, he cures his father's bullet wound. I think that's part of it. We wish that in the consecration, the ground would tremble a little bit. Or maybe there would be thunder and lightning. Why doesn't God use some special effects so we can't, so we know for sure? <laughs> That's what King Herod wanted. After Jesus was arrested, Pontius Pilate didn't want to deal with Jesus. He didn't do anything wrong. So he pushes him off onto King Herod. Says, you, he's, you're one of your people. You, you, you judge him. And Herod says to Jesus, Oh, I'm so glad to finally see you. Why don't you do a miracle for me? It's as if Herod is saying, I'll help you, but you wow me first. God doesn't work that way. He came as a baby in Bethlehem. He walked among us as a, as a man. You couldn't tell he was the son of God right away. With all of his miracles, there's no special effects. He tells a little girl who's died, he takes her by the hand, to Lithicum, little girl, rise. He cures the man's blindness, puts a little mud in his eyes. He can see the only time there's a special effect, as far as I can remember, is at the transfiguration. On the top of the mountain, he wanted three of his disciples to know, this is very real. I am the son of God. Otherwise, God doesn't work that way because he wants our hearts. And that's only gonna happen if we trust. And if he came with all the special effects, we don't get a chance to make a commitment to something we have to believe in. It's handed to us on a platter. Now the other reason I could think of why people might say what's well, not real presence is I know people, they'll say, who go to communion. I don't see their lives changing. I don't see much effect of this sacrament in their lives. And that may be a valid thing, but they're seeing people like that. I always try to like make sure that when I'm receiving communion, I never ever take it for granted. I don't want to just go up, receive the host, go back. How's that going to change my life? The Eucharist is not magic. It's a relationship. Jesus comes to you and me in his real presence and asks us, will you have me? Will you put your life in my hands as I'm putting mine in yours?
That's when powerful things happen. You hear it in the saints. I'll tell you one brief thing. I went to a confirmation retreat once. These were ninth and 10th graders. Now they just heard powerful talks by their peers about how these peers weren't following God, all kinds of things happening in their life that were not good, and then they found the Lord coming into their life, and it changed them. These are like 11 and 12th graders. We had benediction right afterwards, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. I was kneeling right in the front there at this particular church. In the front row on both sides, Eucharist is right there. I could hear the kids crying. Some of them were sobbing. I think they were experiencing the Lord maybe for the first time in their life. And they were feeling the love, the healing love. So yes, the Eucharist is the core of our faith. Let me close with this. You know, the seminarians in Rome, sometimes they're asked to give tours. So they give tours of St. Peter's, the big basilica in Vatican, where the Pope is. I've been there. There's works of art, masterpieces, that are just laying around. They're like everywhere. They communicate truth and beauty and goodness in such powerful ways. The Pieta, you look at her, Mary there, you see her face. She's sad, profound grief but you also see the great love of a mother for her son. And there is Jesus draped over her lap, exhausted. He gave it all. And there's this little detail. As his arm is draped down off her lap, there's a piece of her garment that's rolled like that. And his two fingers in his right hand are wrapped around that little piece. In that little gesture, could a poet ever put it more succinctly or more beautifully? The love of a mother and a son. So one day the seminarian's given this tour. There's a Japanese tourist there who's not a believer. At the end of the tour, he says to the seminarian, can I ask you a question? Tell me again about this blessed sacrament. So the seminarian did a little few sentences about what we're reflecting on now. And then this unbeliever says this, if what you say is true, then this blessed sacrament is more beautiful than anything else of all these masterpieces in this gorgeous church. And the seminarian said, yes, it is. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know. God bless you. If you would like to subscribe to the Seeds of Hope Reflections, just search Seeds of Hope with Father Mike in your web browser or wherever podcasts are available.